You are listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. Welcome to the Moisture Festival Podcast, folks. I am Mr. Matthew Baker, and I perform a weird comedy and stunt show. And I'm Louis Fox. Uh, in the festival, you know me uh, performing hand shadow puppets, but I'm also, my day job is I'm a magician. Yeah, we have both been performing at the Moisture Festival for a number of years, and this podcast is dedicated to peeling back the curtain and giving you a glimpse of some of the performers, the talent, the people, the volunteers, and the board of directors that make this festival possible. I think you'll be amazed at all the work that goes into making the festival possible, too. It's not just a bunch of people showing up and doing a show. They're building a community, which you can actually help sponsor and support through donations. You can do that with your time or financially at moisturefestival.org, and you click the contribute link, and there's tons of information on how you can help keep the festival running. And if this is the first time you're even hearing about the Moisture Festival, congratulations, you stumbled upon (laughs) something that's amazing. But it is a four-week festival that celebrates variety arts in the Fremont neighborhood of Seattle. And let me tell you, folks, I've been a part of this for almost 13 years, and it is one of a kind. Yeah, it's the, actually the largest festival of its kind in the world yeah. and features some of the best entertainers, comedians, hula hoopers, whatever you can think of. <laughs> they have it. <laughs> they have it. <laughs> And it happens actually in the months of March and April, and they do have world-class variety acts, but they also have a week-long worth of burlesque show. Yeah, at a venue on the Capitol Hill neighborhood of Seattle. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this during the festival, be sure to get your tickets, because 95% of the shows sell out. And you can get your tickets also by visiting the website moisturefestival.org. So be sure to check that out for all things Moisture Festival. On this episode of the Moisture Festival podcast, we have the hilarious Tom Murphy. We learn about his beginnings as an, a gymnast and an acrobatic skier, and how a young Patrick Dempsey, who idolized Tom, got him his movie gig. <laughs> we also learned that he is absolutely shredded as a human, and he didn't even know it. <laughs> and this is our first interview that we've done where the person we are interviewing is in a completely different country. And in the future. <laughs> in the future. So let's get to it with Tom Murphy. Let's do it. Today's guest was a winner at the Cirque de Daman in Paris and twice awarded Artist of the Year by Kunstler Magazine in Germany. He was he has appeared on Broadway in his solo production called Metamorphosis and on the big screen in the movie Ava's Magical Adventure. We welcome in Tom Murphy. Yeah. Okay. You are your first international interview. How yeah. cool is this? Well, I am American. I just happen to be in Germany now. <laughs> I was like, your English is really good. Yeah, okay. Well, we do yeah, appreciate I, you doing this because uh, I know it was a little uh, 
complicated with the time. Like we were scheduling on the West Coast to the to German time, so we do appreciate. It's five o'clock there. It's eight o'clock in the morning here. So. Yeah, like you guys are drinking coffee. I'm drinking wine. <laughs> I'm drinking wine well, in my is, coffee. This is whiskey with coffee. Yeah. Well, actually, this is water, but in a wine glass. <laughs> so, um, to the people who don't know who you are, can you describe what you do? Yeah, I call myself a physical comedian, and really, what that means is um, I present a slapstick program. Um, very much, I mean, my idol getting into the, all of this was uh, Buster Keaton, and then and and then Robin Williams. But I mean, you know, he's not such a slapstick comedian. But but uh, his energy, I, I loved his energy. So yeah, so what I present a program that for for most of the, yeah with storyline but slapstick I, I uh, as a solo performer i would create dilemmas for the character and then work them through and that allowed me to like mistake 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 success okay. and it, it and and i found success with that formula I spent a ton of time watching videos last night of you and i had a blast but it is that's the formula is yeah it, it well you know it, when i first started out i i, I worked with a partner and we did storylines and it's easy to when you're with a partner you can use each other to develop them and then when when we split up it was like wait a second <laughs> i've got to tell a story i've got to be in the story i've got to like make my own dilemmas what is that you know and um you know, I, 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 I hated, I hated like trying to make a juggling club into something you drink out of. I, I wanted it realistic. So, you know, I, I learned to walk a ladder. So my routine became, okay, I got to put a ladder together on stage, you know, and then the problems, you know, just piled up on that. And, uh, Realism was always honesty and clowning was always something that um, I tried to do. And do you have a background in clowning too? Like, how did you get started? Like, were you a juggler first, or were you like, what was your gateway into slapstick? Well, actually, comedy? yeah, gymnastics was the gateway, and then um, here, here's a story for you. In nineteen, I, I moved. I, I graduated from college in seventy four and a half in January of 70 or December of January of 74, I moved to Stovermont with the idea to be a professional skier. When I arrived, uh, um, I met this young guy, Benji Morantz, who had just finished mime school. And he knew that I could, we, we, in, in one conversation, we discovered that he could juggle, I could do back somersaults. And so we decided we were going to get together in the gym and teach each other what we knew. We ended up working together, not having a clue about any of this. And um, when we watched the Olympics in 1976 and from Montreal, they had a segment from downtown Montreal of street performers. And we were both watching it at the same time. And we went, oh, that's what we want to do. That is what we want to do. And it was Locomotion Vaudeville, Bounce and Cyrus. Uh, they're also famous in the biz, but they're retired now. And uh, 
Benji and I, we found a shirt, a t-shirt with all of their moves, all their acrobatic moves in silhouette. <laughs> and we put that down on the floor and we, we, we started learning each one just from the, the silhouettes. And that very same year, we went to the, our very first juggling convention and freaked out. I mean, that in itself <laughs> is like, are you kidding me? 24 hours of jugglers in a gymnasium. With, there was a trampoline there. And we met Bounce, the guy from, from Montreal. Oh, wow. And he shared everything he knew with us. And I, I have goosebumps now. As I tell did he charge you money to sign his, sign the shirt? He did not. He was such. He was. He. He's. A, it was such a gift. He, he's yeah. a good friend now, of yeah. course. Um, and and that really put us on our way to uh, acro, like hand to hand acrobatics, and uh, we parlayed that. We went down to Harvard Square and played there, and then. We met somebody, we went, we were working on Long Island doing elementary schools and we found out about the New York Renaissance Festival. And then we, we put together a skit with two dimensional horses on, but underneath there was our unicycles. And we had broomsticks with boxing gloves on the end. And we, we mimicked the joust. They loved it so much. They, they hired us to do the jousts as a comedy routine before the real joust wow to 10,000 people and i mean you know this is like we're like 4 years into this thing totally and uh it was like stuff just kept happening and then in 1976 the same year we went to uh, boston on the 4th of july and street performed at faneuil hall <laughs> but there were no spots available. So we went across the street to city hall and we made like $570. And it was like, we've made we're it in heaven. Yeah. We're in heaven. This is we it. Can buy you know? everything in the world. Yeah, This is it. This is it. So th that's, that was the very beginning right there. Uh, like 1976. I call that the very first year I got paid to perform, nice. which was true. We did, we got, we had a gig. In, we drove from Vermont to Pennsylvania for a paid gig. And I, I don't know how much we made, but it was, it was a gig where we had to do three spots at the Rodeo Farm, Rodeo Magazine. I don't know. It, it's, and it got, it's, listen to me, I'm just, anyway, um, it was a real gig. It was a real paid gig. And uh, like, that's it. We're now professionals. I mean, yeah. in the what mid late seventies, that's a different world too, because you had to hear about all these spots, right? You couldn't just go on the. Uh... There was no internet. There were no phones. You know what I mean? It, it was it was word of mouth, like you said. And then, oh, I don't. Oh yeah, it's actually a few years later. We 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 refurbished a van and drove cross country and did street shows in 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 uh, New Orleans. Austin, Texas, San Diego Zoo, and then San Francisco. We hit San Francisco, and that's when we met Butterfly Man. Hey, real quick, you can just street perform at the San Diego Zoo. <laughs> that's that was a that was a major venue. What back in the day? And you didn't yeah. meet the Butterfly Man at the San Diego Zoo? <laughs> no, no, no. We met him in New Orleans that year, uh, and then. We arrived and we drove to San Francisco at like eight o'clock in the morning. We're banging on Butterfly's door. And, you know, 
what the fuck? <laughs> and and but he ended up becoming a really great friend. And he was he was booking the San Francisco Pier 39 that back then. And he loved us as we did him. And uh, and we stayed a month sleeping in the van, you know, right off the panhandle of the of the park in San Francisco. And uh, that just we all became we, there were so many performers there. Yeah, it's they would juggle on on the weekends in the park. And, you know, it was a Mecca, a basic a kind of a Mecca. And, now, and I, be- I read like what I what I found interesting about you is, is that how physical you are. Like, and like, I think I saw a video with you doing a bodybuilder routine and you're just shredded. <laughs> um, have, have you always been an athlete? You said you learned, or you said you were a skier and I read that you were an ac- acrobatic. Oh, you said a gymnast too. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you know, here uh, again, quickly. I, 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 okay. So I went to, there were no gymnastics in my high school. I was enamored with gymnastics. I was doing backflips to show off for people in high school. Right. Yeah. You just naturally could do that. Well, I asked the gym coach, I just saw someone do it. And I went, I need to learn how to do this. I asked our gym instructor who I knew had been a gymnast, but we didn't have gymnastics. You know, we had gym, you know, dodgeball and, you know, stupid anyway dodge, yeah dodge i was soccer balls dodge baseballs <laughs> yeah so i did so as a freshman in high school i learned to do backflips and so i could be the life of the party you know you know you know i'll do a backflip for a beer backflip oh, for a beer you know that kind of stuff and so i did that and then i when i got to college i the first thing i did was talk to the gym coach he said well you won't be a competitor because we actually go out and scout and bring in our, our athletes, but you're welcome to be work out with the team. So I did. And then I was skiing at the same time. And so he gave me permission to bounce tramp with skis. So I learned to do somersaults with skis and full oh, wow. twists and stuff, and then took it to the slopes and um, started winning contests going up one of the first people to go upside down like this is before it was then it was before it really was a sport and so they had a freestyle competition at camelback mountain where i was teaching skiing to college kids at night and um you know i i did a backflip and they just went nuts They, they you know it was they hadn't seen it before and that began my career as a ski, professional skiing acrobat. <laughs> so what's, what's weirder to tell people you do for a job? Professional skiing acrobat or slapstick comedian? Well, we, sh- we should ask my parents that, huh? I mean. <laughs> or hold yeah. on. Or jousting with, on a unicycle. Yeah. Well, you know, and I have videos of this stuff. This is That's from 1978 or 79. And I, you know, some of this stuff came up like the being ripped doing the bodybuilder. I, I was taking all these VHSs, VHS tapes and, and digitize, digitalizing them. And I had no idea. I looked like that. I had no idea. You don't, I don't, you, you for the, for the bodybuilder, I would sort of like pump up like, you know, like, because I wanted to show off and get everything really tight. And then I see this on video. Oh my God. I look yeah. like a bodybuilder. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, it, it, it's like I have a, a short video on my laptop right now just to go. I, I, 
I can't believe I look like that. You know, and now yeah. I'm 70. Sometimes I watch videos of myself just to remind me of how good I look. Yeah, yeah. yeah and the older I get, the better I was. You know? So I, I, we were chatting a little bit ago. I'm working with someone who knows you, Mickey O'Connor. And I go, what do you know about Tom? And he goes, his bodybuilder, he's an Adonis. <laughs> And then I you looked know, up ironic, the video, was not disappointed. <laughs> I'm doing that sketch right now in this show as a 70-year-old. Nice. I mean, you know, it reads. I'm not an Adonis, but it reads. <laughs> it's comedy. It's not about the – it wasn't about the body. Although although I'm sure it didn't hurt. You know, you know I'm sure it, it was nice to look at back then too. <laughs> I also read that you learned how to do some of your pratfalls in judo. I took a judo class in college and you know, the key eye, you, key eye, you know, so that's one of the first thing they teach you. And then that you learn side falls with a slap. And, and then of course, watching Buster Keaton do one Oh eight, where you do a full three quarter somersault and learn on your back. It was like, I had to learn this basically. I learned the key and how to distribute weight smacking down without hitting bones. Mm. And, and, and I, that's, I got that from a judo class. Wow. And, and, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, it's all really common sense, you know? Yeah. And, and here's something, here's, <laughs> here's something that I realized after doing this for 40 years, 40 years, my bones, have adopted they've gotten bigger you know what i mean they they've um i can take wicked wicked falls skiing and i think the average person would really like break bones and and my bones are thicker as a result of that many you know that much percussion uh, over the years yeah. wow you you build stamina now is this something you think i mean you say you're 70 um do you have like how many more years do you think you have left? Well, I'm calling this my swan song contract. Ah. It's a six month. It was a six month gig, and um, I, you know, I, I won't do it again. It's 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 too much. Double shows, six. You know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, doing double shows, and I'm I'm I live on this apartment's on the fourth floor, and Sunday night after doing six shows, it's like. <laughs> I wish there was an elevator. Yeah, these bones know. are too heavy. <laughs> so, Dance. no, I, I mean, I'm hoping I will stay healthy. I, I, I'm, I'm working on storytelling material, mm -hmm. you know, that, and I have theaters back in Vermont and, or in New England in America where I can do, I, you know, I don't, won't get paid the way I get paid now, but I don't need to either. Mm -hmm. So I want to keep performing. It's a passion um, but I'm not, I don't, yeah, I don't need to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. the, you know, uh, every day of the week contract. Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that like in one of your videos, I, you were performing in Germany and you still spoke a little English. I thought that was pretty interesting. Is that. What's that really, yeah. What's really interesting is they, they want me to speak English in this show. I can do my, okay. I could do my whole solo program, a 75 minute program all Auf Deutsch in German, but um, I, you know, I don't think anyone under the age of sixty 
doesn't know they all speak English from first yeah. grade they, they yeah. start learning and so and you know for those uninitiated you look around you go downtown and the hip language is English yeah. you know on the sporting goods sh stores it's all like uh play the way run the way you play or play I mean it's, it's all English slogans I mean English is a pretty mm -hmm. well with our rock and roll and everything you know English is a hip yeah. language yeah now How you uh <clears throat> you went from sort of street performing when did you become a teacher at the ringling clown school now that was early on too uh eight the 80 i think 81 82 and 83 i taught there um i had been good friends with alan jacobs who was a juggler a really high-end juggler and um i i don't know if he gave them a recommendation or he i don't know somebody gave me a connection to Ron Severini, who, who was running the school at that time. And um, can I tell another story? Sure, <laughs> tell all the stories you want. <laughs> so, so, so I arrived there, and there's this, there's a, the, the head in, gymnastics instructor, the head acrobat instructor, and he's a guy I don't even know his name, and it's be it's better I don't. And he worked for this this place in New Hampshire that was. Uh, like a wild west where they did while well, they shoot them off the off the roof and yeah. all this stuff and he had no idea how to teach and that's what i went to school for was this this for teaching physical stuff i was a phys ed major and so i watched him one day and i said you you can't start out with back handsprings i mean these people don't know how and so i would write out a, a, a syllabus, a daily syllabus, and hand it to him. And I'm the assistant. And so when the the head honchos got wind of this, uh, the next year they hired me as the head instructor, and that guy was gone. And so I had an assistant. And then the third year, I, I, I got paid no more. <laughs> then the third year, nobody else got hired. It was just me. <laughs> Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. I, Ringling Brothers was. Uh... Do you when you are teaching there? Are you teaching like introductory to clown, or are the people who came there were already clowns and they were just looking to be sort of? No, these were real, real wannabes, and and that was the beauty of it. They were so hungry to get on the show, and some of them knew nothing. They knew they wanted to be funny, so. Um, so I would teach anything that I knew, unicycling, juggling, acrobatics. Uh, then there was a stilts department. Then there was a dance department. And then um, and then we would try and put sketches together with all of this. And then there were some old clowns from the show that were there that were to do the classic gags, you know, like the the, the phone booth, the, the, the car, the little car that these five clowns come out of. And there was all of that. Um, and then there were the there were for graduation the the more uh, original you could be the better it was and the more your chances of getting on the show were and so for the, the best part about it was you ask any teacher who's teaching something when people are hungry to learn it's a real gratifying thing as a teacher like you can't you I, I couldn't give them enough you know yeah. And, and uh, so it, that's that's what kept me going back. I, I taught for three years there, 
and and it was a great experience and it's still repaying me they all my students <laughs> they're still in touch on facebook That's and amazing. and very complimentary and you know i feel like i have I, I i got some of them into the business yeah so it's interesting you mentioned a juggler got you into it so in your in matt's introduction for you he mentioned you're in a movie called ava's magical adventure which looks like timothy bottoms and patrick dempsey was in it who is also a juggler is there a connection there uh, there's a huge connection there patrick dempsey you know, oh this you're you're gonna die patrick dempsey i met him when he was like nine years old and he was invited to come to a clown camp where we were learning that you know a workshop a three-week workshop and when he i did that for several years as a student and i i think when he was 10 he he was he was the most gregarious 10 year old that you could ever meet Patrick Dempsey mm -hmm. and I holed up in a cabin at this camp and that's when I created the bodybuilder number he was there he was in the cabin with me going yeah you got to do this yeah this is this as a 10 year old <laughs> and and so um he you know he he started juggling then and uh I, I was married at the time and he became so enamored with myself and my wife who we were doing, we were performing together that he, he, he asked if he could skip school and be our roadie. <laughs> and, and we visited him in Buckfield, Maine. And there he is putting music on his record player and getting up on the bed and showing us his dance moves. <laughs> and I, I mean, it's too, you know, it's so serendipitous. It's like, and then the next thing you know, it he uh, he did this play in New York City. He tried out for a like a. It was a you win you win this dance competition and you get to be in a play in New York City and that's that was his his in you know he became and that was his beginning, and then he became it, it was a, a, a um, I forget the name of the play but it was real cutting edge play at the time. And, and he just went on from there. Uh, yeah, and that's his career. But um, so that was my connection to Ava's magical adventure was Patrick Dempsey. Okay. I thought he, that was he too much of a coincidence. A <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's yeah. It's he brought a, a, like five of us out to, to be clowns in that, that silly movie. That's a, it was, it, I have to say it is my 97th favorite movie of the eighties. So <laughs> If you if you watched it, I I can't even believe you can find it. Is it even out there somewhere? I it never went to screening. I don't think. It, Is it that your only videos. brush with Hollywood? I I I think this is not you, but I found a Tom Murphy that wrote a movie called Once a Clown. No, it was that's not me. Okay. And but, oh, sorry. There's another Tom Murphy that also wrote a book about a juggling pug. Oh, really? <laughs> Wow! I and these, this is not you. These are different. It's not me. Movies? Oh my goodness! My only other brush with Hollywood is actually this is pathetic. I got invited there to 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 play to a crowd so they could record the crowd's reactions for the applause and the laughter to be used on soundtracks. That's amazing. You're the laugh track I, I, guy. 
what, what the hell? I mean, that's amazing. Why can't when the whoever... TV, when you watch a TV show, they're laughing at you? Yeah. Really? Do you ever watch Friends and go, "That was my laugh, yeah. my laugh, that was my laugh," yeah. or Mash? You know, like, oh, like yeah. wait a minute, hey, I recognize that. <laughs> yeah, no, that was my and yeah. Oh God, when I was when doing that movie, what I like just very quickly, it was like everybody who was do whatever job somebody was doing that wasn't the job they wanted they wanted the next job higher than that mm. you know higher than that mm -hmm. up the lob, up the up the up the totem pole <laughs> i was happy to be a clown and a comedian now and you you have also founded a couple different touring clown yeah, organizations two. right yeah clown shoes with the i think we could was it with a K then? I don't know. No, with a K. it was clown shoes. We yeah. got it with a K. Yeah. Okay. And Your then, website um, has it with a K. And we have Mountain, Mountain Mime with Mountain Mime. Mime and clown shoes. Yeah. Mountain Mime was with Benji, that that guy that I told you that we did the jousting with, and mm -hmm. and back then. And then um, uh, clown shoes was with with my ex wife. <laughs> ah. Okay. And then yeah, so so. you just toured uh, like doing theaters or we did oh god anything that we could get a salary for right i mean so it was theaters it was uh there was this place in massachusetts called edaville railroad which was uh this this small gauge railroad uh a place that it was that would ride through the cranberry bogs and then the train would end and there would be we would do five shows a day we're, like at the train station. Wow. And then on our day, that was like five days a week. And then our days off, we, that was, it's just like an hour south of Boston. So we would drive up to Boston and play Faneuil Hall. Are you familiar with Faneuil Hall? Yeah. You know, with that? Yeah. Um, that, and I'm trying to, like, where else? We, we did what, like, there were lots of uh, craft fair shows we did. You know, any, back then, just like wherever you could get a gig, you just, yeah. you, you did it, you know, yeah. 4th of July gigs. Uh, and, and, and we, we had no tech, right. There were no, we didn't tech out shows then like with lighting and sound and everything. We brought our own sound. We, we did our own tech and yeah. And or 10 year old Patrick Dempsey did. <laughs> And you're all touchy, he, you're, you're yeah. like, he, he still goes on the road with you. <laughs> he's, he's he still on the road next to you. <laughs> the irony of it all, it's like I can go into drugstores here in Germany and there's Patrick, not drugstores, but uh, like, well, there, there's he's in pictures and stuff, like doing ads for stuff, you know, still. <laughs> now, at, at Faneuil Hall, I, they had a fire fest you were part of? I don't know the fire fest. The, the the biggest festival was the Orangina festival, like in eighty two or eighty three, which brought in. I'm telling you, like the the creme de la creme of street performers, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean, I met some of the best. Perform uh, yeah, you know, are you familiar with the uh, Edmonton Street Performers Festival? Yep. So the the producer of that came down to Boston, stayed with us, uh, with us. Woody Keppel and I were living in a house together back then. 
Woody Keppel from Waldo and Woodhead. I don't know if you've heard of them. Yeah, they come up frequently on this podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. And so Woody and I were were roommates, housemates, and um, uh, Dick Finkel from Edmonton came down and stayed with us. And I mean, there was a plethora of like the best street performers in America or in Canada at that time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it was 83 or 84. I'm sorry, 83. And then the next big one was Key West, which is another one uh, with big, big, big festival back then where everybody uh, who was anybody in street performing came now, together. Who who were the people you looked up to back then? Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, certainly um, Locomotion Vaudeville, which was mm-hmm. Bounce and Cyrus. The Slap Happy was the name of a troupe and that's with Alan Jacobs and oh God, Jan, Jan, I can't, I can't, I can't even come up with their names, but they, they were sketch comedy, which was great. Alan Jacobs was a juggler. He was in it. There was Jan who was a musician. And then there was another guy, man, I can't remember his name, but they did sketch comedy out on the street. Ah. And they, uh, they were like, Whoa, I can't believe <laughs> these guys slap happy. Uh, locomotion uh there were you know the uh the fantasy jugglers do you remember do you, they were oh don and lana and another guy they they were just huge huge jugglers uh, they had percussion and and juggling and and they were just they were flawless they were flawless Th- this was all this they were just sort of like they were ace performers at the beginning of the 80s street performing bubble mm-hmm. it sounds like, like they're all yeah. all duos or, or multi not a lot of solo performers there were there were some solo performers uh you're asking me like like with like on the spot i 40, can't like 40 years with... ago <laughs> no, no yeah right that's what it is yeah <laughs> i'm I'm, there... like, I'm curious about um the Cirque du Demand. Demand. I pronounced it incorrectly. Yeah. Um, there, a lot of dual. I feel like a lot of Americans don't win that, and the fact that you've been awarded twice, Artist of the Year twice, is pretty. Well, no, no. That those are two different things. Oh, Cirque gotcha. Demand, you only play once, and you oh. win it. If you win, man, you're you're you got contracts out the wazoo. Gotcha. So so Cirque du Demand. It's a it's a festival in Paris, a circus festival, and right it, it is it has gained prestige as as the years have gone on. Um, any anybody any organization that books talent goes to this looking for the next big thing. So and it's in it, it, you can win a gold medal in clowning, you can win a gold medal in in aerial acrobatics, you can win a gold medal in you know, they they have it portioned off into into uh different arts and um the, when i won it i was the third american in a row to win it oh actually. wow yeah there was david shiner in this order david shiner then um peter shubb and then me and that's like 86 85 86 and 87 and then and like um like i just worked a whole three months with a guy who he also he won the gold medal in straps and and they so if you if you win there if you place there you're gonna you're gonna leave that place with 
um, people come in. It's, you know, they have a t another tent there set up where agents will come in and oh, you'll, cool. you'll be, you'll be getting booked right away. Yeah. It's the same with um, uh, uh, the Montreal festival. Just uh, for laughs. Just for laughs. Mm -hmm. that, that, yeah. I played there too. And I played there in a year where, I mean, major, major, I go into this tent after and, and I was very successful, but I didn't get gigs. There were like people there who became movie stars. Yeah. You know, from that, from that festival. I, I needed a better agent at the time. <laughs> You're like, I got a weekend at the Chuckle Hut. Yeah. <laughs> Little 10 year old Corey Feldman. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> So then so I saw on your website you're a thing called you were uh, in a thing called Wash Salon. Uh, that yeah, that was a year long contract for this same company I'm working for now, and the, the company is 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 called <laughs> GOP. <laughs> yeah, so so you're working for the GOP man. Yeah, see, and and I, you know, in this last election, the last Trump. I had all this GOP paraphernalia, like shirts and stuff, and I would wear it at the parties and people go, you're not serious, are you? Are you voting for him? You know, and it's like, no, this is a European cup. I found out, I think the GOP actually tried to force these people to change their name when they existed long. I mean, it's, it's, it stands for Georg Palace. <laughs> So. Anyway, anyway, that's the company GOP Variete Variety, mm -hmm. and um, they have seven clubs throughout Germany. Uh, they're one of the foremost uh, entertainment organizations in Germany, and and I. So I, that's what I'm working for now. I did Vosch Salon, which was a show that was booked out uh, to uh, a year, two six month contracts to you know uh, six months two months off then six more months um and um you know it's this the reason now i'm in a show now it's the 30th anniversary of the gop hanover theater i played here 27 years ago oh wow yeah it was it was for me it was the I, I took this gig because it's very special this theater it's it's a 275 seat theater it has a balcony that you can almost reach out and touch from the stage. That's cool. Um, and what, when I first got booked here, it was like, they loved my work so much. They, they gave me the dark night Monday. They gave me the theater. They said, you're welcome to, we'll, we'll, we'll do the advertising if you want to do your solo show here. And I was like, are you kidding me? And it was like, that was, that's that's when I fell in love with Germany and like having a whole theater to myself. And, and, I, and I was just writing material like crazy at the time, you know, like. And so, yeah, it, to, to play here was awesome. And then as a result of that first gig, they that was like in 94 or five. And they said, hey, we would like you to MC a show in 2000, which was a big convention here in this town it's a big convention town uh and so four years out they asked me to okay in four years will you be the mc so i wrote a whole program for for that for this theater for this very theater then they're like would you come back in 27 years yeah well, <laughs> that, that didn't happen. 
No, but can I tell, like I did stuff like that back then there wasn't the insurance nonsense that we have in the States. I, I, I had a mini tramp disguised on the stage and I would come out and talk to the audience and say, Hey, we're not reaching the balcony. I'm going to come on up there. And I would run and bounce on the trampoline up to the balcony, what? run around the balcony. And then there was a set of stairs that came down. And I would, back down to the stage and I would fall down the steps, wipe out a painting that I put there, uh, you know, on the stage and blah, blah, blah. And then I would um, oh, I say, well, it's really hot in here. I'd take off my jacket and hang it on, on the backdrop, which had like a, a crown of lights, you know, like where the artists would come out. Mm -hmm. And I put hung it on a light and then had a little smoke tube there and the jacket would like come out like begin to smoke and I wouldn't pay any attention to it until someone started pointing from the audience and like what 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 oh, oh my god it's on fire and I would run off and get a fire extinguisher and put it out it's one of the foam ones put out the jacket and then like like a goofy idiot and turn to fa face the crowd and this thing's still gone and would spray the front line with that and and it was yeah. And then, okay, put it all away. I'm going to do this again. I bounced up the trampoline, ran across the balcony and had a zip line, <laughs> a zip line over the audience down to, down to the stage. And then like, didn't have an end anywhere and bam, against a piece of plywood behind the curtains and slide down like a cartoon. I, this is, oh, I was, I was so, in, I, I was so thankful they give me this theater. They let me write a show and this, I, and that's only a third of my slapstick stuff. It's like, oh man. It's the wonder you it have was, bones at all. It was heaven. No, it was heaven, you know? To have a theater? Are yeah. you kidding me? You get all the things you want. You get a theater, you get to write new material. You get and a director who would who loved it. Yeah, yeah we, we ended up taking that out because the people paying for their drinks didn't like it because we had to buy drinks for everybody in the again oh, yeah. you know because this stuff was going in their drinks but then you, if i had seen the show twice i would drink my drink to about that, that much <laughs> right before yeah. you did that <laughs> yeah right you, if you saw the show twice did, did you ever do the math and go is it worth buying that round of drinks <laughs> is the laugh worth it uh, you're no, in the I whole five thousand dollars every it's, show. You know, because people with their clothing wouldn't like it either. Because no. you know? <laughs> those are the expensive day. seats, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have been described as the chaos poet. I feel like uh, where did that come from? That I, I did a gig in Bonn, Bonn in in Germany, and the, that's that was uh, one of the that was the title of the review. Their chaos poet. And I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's that's going in my promo. Absolutely. <laughs> nice. Now, we almost have, we're, we don't take up all your morning, but how did you get involved in the Moisture Festival? Uh, well, uh, Tim, Tim, what, how, I mean, I knew so many of those people. And then t Tim, Tiff, Tim first, right? Yep. I don't know where I met him, but, you know, I just got a call from him saying, are you interested? And then I went, I went there and I wrote down some names from the festival. <laughs> no, just because, because one of the things that was so great about the festival was, you know, they billeted you out to, 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 to places. And I, and I, st I stayed with um, Rodman and Susan Miller. I, I don't, 
Do you know them? Are you there in Seattle? No. Okay. So he, Rodman was an eccentric scientist turned to into a glassblower. And this was like, are you kidding me? This guy's fabulous. This is great. So every year I, I, I did it five or six years and I've always stayed with them and he's passed away. Mm-hmm. And then another person from, from there, uh, Simon Neal, yeah. I hit it off really, really big with, and uh, you know, I would visit him not when I'm doing the festival and he'd take me out on a boat and toke up and have a great time. And, uh, you know, and then, Joe Montgomery at the 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 uh, the, the circus school there, yeah. and and her husband. I met them, and they. I taught a workshop there with them. I mean, I just love the whole the whole entire scene, and the audience is a shoe in crowd. Yeah. So I got to I got to do new material there like three years in a row when I was writing stuff, and knowing that at least I would get. I didn't feel intimidated at all, you know, by doing new material because they, they, the audience is so good there. If it doesn't work there, it probably won't work. (laughs) Oh boy. That's the truth. Although they were a bit of a shoe in crowd, like, you know, yeah. Anyway, that was a good place to try out new material because they were so generous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, T I read about your workshop that says uh, the innate comedian um, in it, you, teach, yeah, in you teach a number of different workshops, but it seemed like that was one that you sort of focus on. That's right. That's exactly right. And it it it, it doesn't only have to be for theater or clowning, but it I think it's brilliant. <laughs> um, yeah, let me try to try, try, try to explain what happens. Like, so you do what normal workshops do. You try, you get you get the, the participants to to be really comfortable with each other, and you do group improvisational stuff, and you distill it down till you put a person out there on the floor. Maybe we're talking days in, and um, yeah, I, I find this works. It doesn't work in a one day or a two day workshop. It has to be a lengthier workshop, mm. and. Um, you put them up there and you have them just improvise anything that comes to mind. And, and this is a common exercise. Okay. Freeze. Now change the subject matter. Boom. Mm. Freeze. You let them out there for a minute that, which is a long time. Okay. Freeze. Now change, do something else. Then you distill it down to 30 seconds. Then you distill it down to 10 seconds. And then you distill it down to like five seconds and the brain goes nuts. And and if they're buying into it, and that's what it all depends on, you have to buy into it. You begin to do, you, you can discover, you start scraping the bile. You let them up there long enough that they run out of ideas, but you don't let them sit down. Mm. You make them continue. And, and then it's, it, it, they go through distress. And, and like I say, it, you start scraping up the bile of the characters that are in there. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I get goosebumps because I think, I think this is a workshop for corporations, working people, anybody. That it, when you've done this in front of people, when you've gone up there and run out of ideas and you keep pumping out movement and things, and, and it can be movement, it can be sound, it can be anything you want, that you do the ridiculous. And then when you're out <laughs> clubbing or socializing, you know how ridiculous you have been and you, you don't, you can't make an ass out of yourself yeah. because you've got it. 
you've got it. It's it's so. Uh, I'm doing this doing this with. Um, Picture this, uh, people like in sixth and seventh and eighth grades who are, they're, then they're going to go to high school. If you can get these kids to do it and gain confidence out of it, then with adults, it's, 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 it's hyper. It's like, yeah. wow. It's like, wow. Well, <laughs> anyway, that, that's the workshop in, in, in as few words as I can make it. Very cool. <laughs> Uh, so I feel like, did we miss anything? I feel like there's a lot that we missed that, oh. you, want to, that you want to bring up or want one out there. No, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm finding out working. Like I, I won that competition in Cirque, Cirque de Demand before some of the artists were born that I'm working with now, <laughs> which is amazing. Uh, but, but the art forms have changed as well. And certainly the training is like, I, I, I go in to warm up and I do push-ups and sit-ups and, and these guys are, you know, they got, they got the stretchy things and they're doing all the minor oh, muscles. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Which is, I, I understand it. And I, it's just, I'm, 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 I'm a victim of, of my age, you know, in a sense. They got the massage gun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, they all have these $500 machines and like, <laughs> yeah, and I'm definitely getting one, you know, <laughs> but, but, but um, I'm honored to be, be uh, um, not left behind. I'm honored to, to be out there. I'm still doing slapstick. Uh, um Sometimes I wonder, like, does this mean I'm I didn't move on and I should should be a director now? And and it's like, wait a second, Red Skeleton went until he died. You know, uh, Buster Keaton went until he couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. No, this is what I do. This is yeah. what I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Well, and it's so a testament I, to how great you are that you're still, you know, working and you're still being asked to perform. And uh, it's been, it, you know, it's been pretty awesome to be able to watch all the videos of you and uh, sort of the trajectory of where, where you have been and where you're, where you're at now. Well, and like watching the videos, there's something so relatable. I watched a ton last night and you, you know, you see this like the latter bit three times or whatever over watching five videos and it makes me laugh every time yeah <laughs> and it was pretty like, great and i had just watched it 10 minutes prior yeah. that's pretty cool right i mean to watch a video and laugh I, yeah you know because they're flat it's really flat yeah but, but i guess i mean well you know, i also played the the soundtrack that you recorded uh for all the movies and tvs tv shows <laughs> the laugh so track. I played that. yeah <laughs> well i mean certainly i feel like one of one of my, um, uh, what, what do you call it? Uh, one of my aces in the hole is um, just the relatability without doing anything, you know, like just, just like some people have it and some people don't. And I, I don't, I mean, uh, I, this is what I'm told is like, I would never just depend on this. I mean, obviously because I've learned to do the ladder and I've learned to do juggling and I've learned to do the blah, blah, blah. But but um, I have like professionals saying like, you can tell a story on stage, mm -hmm. Murph. You don't have to do this stuff, all this stuff. You don't, you know what I mean? You don't have yeah. to. Like you can come out and we'll, we will love you. <laughs> you don't Which have to trampoline into the top deck. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I'm learning that. And that's, that's a good thing to learn after 40 some years. Right. I mean, <laughs> Always you're learning. Still learning. You're still learning. 
Absolutely. Well, God, yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. So if people want to find out about you, murphclown.com is one of the websites. Yeah, uh, laugh, my, laugh my 20-year-old die. website. <laughs> laugh Till You Die, your one-man show, I believe has its own website. Yeah, that's Laugh Till You Die. It, yeah, it's it's kind of a – you have to go to my website to get to it, but it is it is like a whole separate website from mm. that website, yeah. Gotcha. And if you want to watch videos, there's a ton of videos out there that you can view um, of your performances and um, sort of the stuff that you've done over your career. It's pretty awesome. I think as a result of you guys talking to me, I, I should put more, um, what do you call it, just connection. There's There are more videos on Vimeo that, that are not <laughs> okay. referenced there. And I mean, why just go to, why die and have nobody see them? No, right. you exactly. got to get it all out. You got stacks of VHS tapes. You got to put yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah, like right, really, really, I should put the joust. I have the joust. Yes, yeah. yes. Or make so, a DVD so and sell it at the Moisture Festival. Picture the joust. We, we have we made these frames with straps, like you know, like the barrel, like the barrel for clothes. So mm -hmm. we have these straps and and. Uh, chicken wire with bar burlap over him so and and then a two-dimensional plywood horse head right and under, and we're like we're we're like those are our horses but it's unicycles under there and i'm i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna put this video up i'm gonna hit the joust. i'm so i'm so i i when i think about it it's like i can't believe we had the cojones to do that you know <laughs> in front of ten thousand people yeah it's unbelievable did anyone come but up it, to you after and be like we liked the the fake jousting but over the real jousting are you kidding yeah well i mean the real jousting is pretty serious right i mean it's the ren fairs were they they spent a lot of money on those jobs <laughs> we didn't get paid anything <laughs> that was the very beginning of our careers we were like they asked us to do this. Can you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Tom, we want to thank you so much for uh, joining us from the future and uh, <laughs> nine hours ahead. Uh, it's been a treat to get to talk to you, man. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, the, the, you guys came prepared. I, I didn't know what you were going to ask, but you knew more stuff than I thought you might about, you know. <laughs> Thank you okay. so much, Tom. We really appreciate it. You're okay, welcome. Now. Thanks. It was great, you guys. We want to thank you for listening to the Moisture Festival podcast. If you haven't bought tickets yet for the festival, you can do that at moisturefestival.org. You can also find out information about volunteering or supporting it financially as well. Just click on the contribute button. You can also find Moisture Festival. They are on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube if you want to check out more details on any of those social network sites. If you want to find out more information on Louie and I, we do a podcast together that is completely different than this podcast and it is called the odd and off beat podcast and you can find that on any platform that you get your podcasts at if you would like to find out information on louis and i's shows you can do so by visiting louis site which is louis fox with two x's Dot com and Matt Baker's site comedy stunt show dot com spelt the way you would expect it to be spelled yes. 
And we want to thank all the volunteers, performers, sponsors, donors, board members, producers of the Moisture Festival for helping make this thing happen. Absolutely. A lot of moving parts, and they do a wonderful job at creating a very unique experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Moisture Festival Podcast. And stay moist.